So continuing on, most that hear the true gospel do not believe and obey the gospel. And that's what he was telling us. And we're going to see, like he said, they did not heed the good news. Under the old or the new, mankind loves darkness. But he can make decisions. He's not forbidden. He's not totally depraved. Like we say, only demons are totally depraved. Everything of holiness is They're pure evil. They cannot function otherwise. As angels are pure and holy and cannot sin. But man's in between. He can do certain things he wants to do. He has the capability. Okay. So they do not believe the gospel for what reason? They love the pleasures of sin rather than God. They want to find their own life and do as they please. And some of them say, well, I'm not that bad. I don't know why God bothers me. Because he made you to serve him and love him as he made all the animals to accomplish certain things for his pleasure. So he has a right. He owns you, whether you're his or not. He still owns you. And so it's his business. He didn't make you to go off and do your own thing. And it's called selfishness, sinfulness. And that's the corrupt part of mankind, okay? And he wants to redeem that part and change it, okay? So they love the pleasures of sin, or they love their own life. They want to do their own thing. They don't want to be led of God in the Spirit. Well, that's their will. Every man is drawn away, James says, by his own loss. So when the nature fell, it just affected different people to different degrees, and they have different desires a different degree, and that's all part of the corrupt nature that just moves through generations and generations. And the devil and demons play on that, and they know that, and so they try to set you up to feed your desires, your corrupt desires. They try to get you to express them. And so that's what James says, every man is drawn by his own lust and tempted. Okay? So we see that that's the way it is. And I preached or taught and counseled people sometime years ago. I was counseling and would lead some to the Lord. And some, they'd say to me right out, oh, I know you're telling the truth. And one day, maybe I'll follow the Lord, but I've got to do my own thing now. And otherwise, they were saying, I'm finding my life and I don't want to be bothered right now. Well, my aunt told me one time, she said, I know you're right in everything you say. When I'm willing to stop drinking and smoking, I'll come and serve the Lord one day. Well, she never made it because she died of a heart attack. But she was always going to get right. Well, see, you don't get right when you want to get right. God made his side, uh-uh, no more grace. He says what? He said he will show mercy on whom he will show mercy, and he'll harden whom he'll harden. So those like Pharaoh and King Saul, when they hardened themselves toward God, he begins to harden himself toward them. So he's not offering the gospel to some who have trampled his grace and trampled the blood of Christ. So they can't get just saved anytime they want to. That's a false gospel being preached. Okay, The spirit will not always strive with a man. That's his right. And so they say, I know you're right, but I'm busy with my life, or I don't have time right now. And they will be judged as being more sinful because they've been given more knowledge and truth. So if one does not respond to conviction of truth, 
then one is hardened, and then the blindness comes on them after the conviction leaves. People don't want to talk about that or don't understand it. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse three through six. But even if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to those who are perished. It's hidden from them. It's like they're blind and can't see, okay? Whose mind, the God of this age, who is the devil, has blinded, who do not believe. See, they don't believe and they won't obey. Less, otherwise, the truth of the gospel, okay, would be revealed to them, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, would shine on them. So he's saying God was willing. So the sun is always shining, but the clouds can cover it. So God's nature is goodwill and intention to do good. But man allows certain things to come in between, and so the sun don't shine on him. So we see the term, when Christ enters a person, they become a Christian and they walk with him. And as Paul said, we live and move and have our existence in God. And he's not far from anyone. So the worst person on the earth that has no concept of God, uh, that might be a true atheist under a spirit, he don't know that God's closer to him than his own thoughts. But he's not close in relationship or fellowship. See, that's what God's talking about. But he's everywhere. And as David said, where can I go to escape? To heaven? To the depths of hell? He meant the grave. He said, there's no place I can hide from you. So God is, and his presence is everywhere, but he does not manifest his presence. He does not witness to it, to those who are not his. So he does have a special revelation of himself to believers and those who walk in the Lord. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves we're servants for Jesus' sake. Okay, For it is God who commanded truth, the light, to shine out of the darkness. See, that's when he convicts the sinner. That's when he gives them the truth, and he allows them to see it. Who has shown in their hearts, their spirit, to give the truth of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Okay, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So he's saying, we preachers and ministers and those who proclaim the gospel, we have the treasure. Now, again, the sinner, the treasure's there. He cannot perceive it. It doesn't work. So it's, it's like you've been left millions of dollars, and yet you never go to the bank and spend it. So what good is it that you got it? You're not using it. So people need to think this out. Now, the altar consequences on the other side and we've been there many times. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll read 10 to 12. When the Antichrist comes, the mystery of sin, God's going to remove his own people, and there's not going to be a strong witness, and then the devil will be able to take over the Antichrist, and his delusions will be greatest than they ever been. But it's happening now. Like John said, the spirit of Antichrist is already here. So he's working in the world, okay? But it'll be fully done under the Antichrist. But he says they're sinning and they're under the power of the devil and with all unrighteous deception 
among those who are not saved, who perish. Because, read the because here, not because they're predestined, not because they're elected. Oh, what does it say here? Because they did not receive the love of the truth. What does that say? They got the love of the truth somewhere. They were given some kind of grace or gospel at some level, and they didn't want it. Ah, so they're responsible. See, it isn't, oh, they're going to hell because they hadn't heard the gospel. That's not taught in scripture. They're going to hell because they refuse the gospel. They don't want it or they reject it. He said that they might be saved. So it was within their capability. And for this reason, what reason? Because they rejected God's offer. Because they rejected the truth and didn't want it. So God responds to this. For this reason, God will send them strong delusion and they shall believe the lie. And why shall they believe the lie? Because the spirit of truth is going to leave at this time. Most likely the Christian will probably be gone then. But it means the influence will be over. And so if all there is is wickedness and you're a wicked person, you'll yield right to it. It's, you'd enjoy that. Your nature will become more depraved and more corrupt. But you're responsible. It's not like, oh, poor souls. You don't find that in Scripture. So what? That they shall believe the lie. And why does God let them believe the lie and want them to believe the lie? Because they rejected his son and the truth, and grace is over. Okay? Now judgment and justice come into play. That they all may be condemned or damned, who do not believe the truth, okay, they don't believe and obey it when it was given to them. They rejected it. But notice this last part, it's an important one. But had pleasure in unrighteousness. They were what? Lovers of sin. and The pleasures of sin more than God. So that's what happens to the human nature when God doesn't help him and he goes deeper and deeper in sin. That's what happens to him, okay? So that's happening now. It's getting darker. We're entering into ages where it's as Lot and Noah, and they were the only ones saved. Their families got in because of obeying their father. It wasn't their goodness and righteousness that saved them. So you figure, in end time, he's saying, there's only be one and two as it gets darker and darker. And Jesus said if the, he hadn't shortened, the father didn't shorten the time, Even the very elect could not be saved. It's going to get so dark during that time that God's going to have to do something because he don't want his own falling or being overwhelmed. And that's where that scripture comes in. God will not allow you to be tempted more than you're able to bear, but with every temptation make an escape. So he'll do that at time and will not allow them to be tempted more than they're able. That's the ones who are following the Lord, not the talkers. I hear a lot of people talk, oh, I can't wait when I'm raptured. And I'm sitting there thinking, but you're not going, so I don't know what you're waiting for. You're not serving the Lord. You're living your own life. See, they think they got some ticket, and I'll be glad when it comes. No, you're going to be here. If you're not taking up the cross daily and following the Lord, you're not going when he comes. They don't like to hear that. John said, if you know he's pure, you stay pure. And he said, and you won't be ashamed at his coming. Ashamed, disappointed. Why? Because you're not going if you're not walking in the spirit and being led of the Lord. 
you're not going. And that's going to be multitudes of professing Christians. That's going to be the majority of what we call Christendom, the two billion people who claim to be Christians. Okay, verse 18. But I say, surely they have never heard, have they? Indeed, they have. So he was saying they heard and they were hearing. Paul's preaching now the fulfillment of this. But under every covenant, they were warned, and God was gracious. So it wasn't like, oh, he didn't do nothing. Oh, now that the gospel is preached, God's happy with people. Well, he's always been wanting people to turn and repent, and he held them accountable at the levels they were at. But I surely say, he said, have they not heard? Well, of course, he tells us they heard, and they rejected it, and they didn't want it. And then he quotes, and it says, their voice has gone out into all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. The gospel's being preached, and even under the Jews for hundreds and a thousand years or more, Hebrews called it the gospel, but it wasn't mixed with faith. So they were supposed to be a light and were to a great degree what God wanted to do with the Gentiles. And then they failed as a whole. And that's why God rejected them. But there was always a light, see, of some degree. He dealt with people that way, okay? And to 18, like he says, the gospel in every covenant was given to some at some level. God leaves a witness. The heavens declare it. The conscience of man declares it. The inner law given to man, the conscience. They spoke, that's called the gospel, the messages of God, the good news. All of that was good news to them. Okay, What in the final complete message that was in Christ Jesus? And now the first, the full preaching of Jesus with grace and truth. The law came, but Moses caved the law and everything, but grace and truth, the complete package of what Moses and the prophets spoke about, he's come now. He's done what they promised. He's done what they foretold, which they couldn't do at that time. Verse 19, but I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? And Moses said, "Uh uh-huh. He's implying they didn't know. Okay, they were given privileges, okay? And now he's foretelling the church, the body of Christ, mainly the Gentiles. Look, what is he saying? I will make you, that's Israel, jealous by that which is not a nation. And by a nation without understanding will I anger you. So God decided to provoke them. Now he knew some would be saved eventually. That's why he's doing it. But he's stirring up, saying, you're not special anymore. I'm going to reject you because all of the privileges and promises, and you're trying to work out your own righteousness instead of seeing what the law and the prophets were pointing to. You didn't have faith. You were self-effort, self-works, and that won't do it. So God is foretelling the rejection of Israel for their continual stubbornness and refusal to follow him. Stephen, before he got stoned, he said, you always rebellious and resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did. (laughs) That was God's indictment against them. That was why he went to the Gentiles. Okay, So he's telling them that. You're not special. 
No Jew is special and has no special relationship, and Israel is still dead in their sins. The bone has come upon bone, and but he hasn't breathed on them yet. If any Jew gets saved, he's going to come the same way through Jesus Christ as any Gentile. The wall has been torn down. God has abolished that system, so it don't stand anymore. Okay, So it's only through Jesus Christ will a Jew or a Gentile be saved if he comes to him. So he foretold this, that he was going to go to the Gentiles. And as Jesus said, we quote it often, he said, they will come from the west, the north, the south, and so forth from the ends of the earth. He meant the Gentiles. Abraham's offspring was also to Gentiles, like uh, they had the spirit of Abraham. And he said, but the children of the kingdom, that's the Jew and Israel, will be cast into hell, into outer darkness. As a whole, that's what's going to happen. Like's going to happen the most in the Gentile world, ultimately. But in comparison, there were a lot more Gentiles than Jews. And so out of a world of seven and a half billion people, we probably only have 14, 15 million Jews. So that's a small number, isn't it? Okay. And Isaiah is very bold, and he says, I was found by those who did not seek me. It's Christ speaking. I was found by those who did not seek me. And I became known to those who did not ask for me. Now, see, he gave the Jews privileges and promises and all kinds of things that they could have faith in. And God told the Israelites, every time they failed and sinned, and part of the law of Moses was, if you sin seven times, I'll punish you seven times. But if you repent, then I will repent. He said he'd never forsake them as a whole. He forsook generation after generation, but he always had a remnant. See, He wasn't going to forsake them, and we'll see he didn't. We'll go into it later, but for the six, first six and seven years, all Christians were Jewish Christians. It was the apostles, disciples. They hadn't gone to the Gentile world yet. And Paul's going to say, well, I'm a Jew. He didn't forsake me. So he'll have a remnant, and not much of his promises will go to the remnant. He'll fulfill things that he promised Abraham and the prophets, but the nation as a whole wouldn't get it. Because like the children of Israel, they murmured and complained too much, and God said, you'll wander 40 years, and everyone under 20, they will go into the land, but you will not. And he let them wander until they died off in 40 years. The whole nation could not go in. Only two adults went in. Joshua and Caleb, but there was only two of them because Moses died and Aaron right before they went in. Well, that was God's word. A whole nation, a whole generation had to wait. And then when they grew up, 40 years later, some of those 20-year-olds would be 60 years old. So they had plenty of adults and they went in to the land. Okay, so we can see what God is talking about. So the nation's they were not even seeking me or pursuing me. They sat in darkness, lived their own way. And I winked at a lot of things in the old, but now I'm giving them a gospel. I'm not winking anymore. I'm going to give them the privileges and promises, and then they'll be responsible. But it will be good for them if they accept it, and it will be bad for them if they don't. 
So I was made plain to those who did not ask for me. So the Jew was given all these promises that they could tell God about. And he said, yeah, I got to honor this. Told you I'd do this. If you did it. And they could quote the word to him. And the priest could offer sacrifice. And God responded. Uh-huh. But he won't do that no more. He's going to abolish that system. And he did in 70 AD, the whole system and Jerusalem and all the temple worship. And he went to the Gentiles as a whole. First six years of all Jews. But as Paul began to preach more than any of them to the Gentile, within a 10, 20, 30 years, you probably had a hundred times more Gentiles come to the Lord than Jews. It became less and less. And of course, God destroyed most of the wicked Jews. Some say a half a million, some say a million. And it's interesting if you read history. There were about 30-some thousand proclaiming Christians. And the siege was on them. And they had to go up to Syria and put it down so they could leave. And the Christians were warned by Christian prophets to leave. And they said the Christians were not killed and put to death and sent into slavery like the Jews were because God protected them. And they scattered at the right time throughout the world, okay? He took care of his own. So we see in verse 21, but as for Israel, he says, all day long, I have stretched my hands out to you and you're a disobedient and obstinate people. We find in Ezekiel and Isaiah, God is almost pleading with them. Why do you rebel? Why do you sin against me? And I give you this. And he keeps in each generation he deals with. And some generations he cuts off and hardens. But there's always some. So he does, he's not finished with Israel. The covenant still stand, but only for the remnant. And so the remnant was fulfilled the first six and seven years when God called the apostles and disciples. And when Pentecost came, that was all to Jewish people. See, he was fulfilling the covenant and then went into the Gentile world, okay? Yet God continually sought, and he desired that the Jews who were privileged and a special people, had special covenants. He always desired them to follow him and fulfill his will. But as a whole, they were disobedient to the commands and privileges, and they were a stubborn and willful people. See, they turned their privilege and promise into pride. They thought they were special. They started to despise Gentiles, called them dogs. They were supposed to be a light. The Jewish nation was supposed to be a light of God's holiness to the Gentile nations. They didn't do it. They despised them. They didn't want to have nothing to do with them. They thought we were arrogant. They were proud. We're proud. We're special. And yet they were self-righteous. It wasn't of God. It was their own. And that's why he rejected them. Okay, He told them once, I chose you not because you are special. I just decided to choose you. That was his right. He could have chose any tribe. He chose them. And it wasn't because they'd done anything special. So he was rewarding them. Your privileges and promises were by grace. And you thought that you were special. Well, you're not. You're arrogant, rebellious, and I'm going to deal with you. And he did deal with them. 
Okay, we're going to go to several scriptures in Romans. We're going to go back. We've already taught on them. Romans chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. And do you think this, O man? And he's talking to Jews, too, and Romans. At times he's talking to Jews and Gentile. Some Jews were Christians, some weren't. He's going back and forth, comparing the covenants, what stands and what doesn't, and reminding the Jews you don't have a special privilege over the Gentiles in the church anymore. You're not special. So don't get arrogant about this, okay? And he says what? He says, you judge those. He's referring to the Jews judging the nations and looking down on them in contempt. He said, they do all these wicked things and practice such things. He says, you do the same. So he catches them. Do you think you'll escape the judgment of God? See, he's saying to the Jews, you think you're that special? If you've been given these privileges and promises, God's going to judge you more severely. That's what he's telling them. Okay, you should know better. Or do you despise, hate, reject the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, and his long suffering? He put up with them much and much. For many times he hold back his wrath and waited for them to turn. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. He said, see, he's rich, he's gracious in goodness, long suffering. He bore with them. He said, don't you know that it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance, that God's doing this so that you'll stop your wickedness and see he's interested in you getting right. He's not interested in destroying you, which he's going to do if you don't stop your sinning. So he's warning them here. That's God's grace. See, people think they're getting away with something or God's not looking at them because he's not doing nothing. He doesn't forget anything. We'll see. They store up wrath. One day they're going to pay for all their sins if they don't come to the Lord. So they may get away with it in this life to a great degree. They'll just be punished in hell for it. So they think they're hiding. Or they think, well, I'm not that bad. Or God's not that provoked about it. He understands. Yeah, he does. Every idle word that the wicked express, they're going to answer for. Can you imagine that? Every iota of sin they've committed, they're going to answer for and have degrees of punishment in hell. Bible said the hypocrite, and I'm sure the false teacher and the backsliders, they'll get the deeper hell also. He said they'll receive the greater damnation. And why? He says, but in accordance with your hardness, and he's speaking of the Jewish people, and your impotence, stubbornness, and willfulness is what it means. Spirit, your will, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of God's wrath and revelation, the righteous judgment of God. He's saying every sin you're storing. You don't do you think God's going to forget? They stand before God, they're going to be horrified when everything's brought up. They've forgotten many of the wicked things they did 10 or 20 years ago. God didn't forget them. Holiness, he's everywhere, all-knowing, present, and cannot forget. He knows everything. That's going to be the horror when they're cast into hell, when they see how terrible and wicked they were, and they're going to stand speechless, and they're going to know nothing can be done about it. 
and they're going to be hopeless and despairing and wailing and torment. Now, that's horrible, but that's where it's going to be. And that's where most adult mankind's going. And they're responsible. They're not going to be able to blame it on a preacher to teach you, well, he didn't give me. You had enough knowledge with your conscience alone to seek the truth, and God would have responded. But see, they're going, well, he didn't preach. Well, you wouldn't have received the truth anyway because you're not doing it already. Remember, God, uh, Abraham told the man in hell, the man in hell said, send someone from the dead to warn my brothers not to come into this place. And he said, they have Moses in law. And the man in hell said, well, they won't listen, but the one raised from the dead. And Abraham said, no, if they don't listen to law and prophets, they won't listen to the one be raised from the dead. And that's true. People say, if I see this or that, I'll believe. No, if you don't believe now and you're seeking the Lord now, it won't keep you even if you believe temporarily. Signs won't do you no good. Okay. And then we see chapter two. We're still in chapter two real briefly. Verse 17. Indeed, you are all, so he's making it plain who he's talking to. You are all called Jews and you rest on the law. And you brag about God because you have privilege with him. That's what he's talking about, okay? He's saying you were instructed. You were given privileges out of the law. And you are trustful that you yourselves are a guide to the blind. They weren't doing that. They'd guide some of the Jews, but they didn't go and open the door to Gentiles and proclaim God's holiness. They didn't do that, okay? A true light to those who sat in darkness. They weren't doing that for generations, okay? And you think you're an instructor of the foolish and the unlearned and a teacher of babes, those who don't know nothing. Having a form of knowledge and truth and the law. Oh, the, they were hypocrites and they were thieves, and everything, but they knew the law. Pharisees knew the law. They perverted the law and added all kinds of rules, but they were responsible because they were given that. It was available even if they didn't want it, okay? And so, verse 23 and 24, you who make your boast in the law that you're a Jew and you're under the covenant of circumcision, this is what he's talking about, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? Remember Paul said, if you're circumcised, and he said, and you don't keep the law, talking to Jews, he says, your circumcision doesn't value you nothing. So people in the Christian world who think when they're baptized, it'll do nothing for you but to get you wet if you're not following the Lord, okay? It has no power to do anything, okay? So he said, you dishonor God through breaking the law for the name of God, he's quoting Old Testament, is blasphemed among the Gentile nations because of you. So not only were they to be a light to the Gentile, they made the Gentiles despise them and hate them and turned them against God that they didn't even know. So you can see why God finally got tired of it. Okay, okay we will go in to chapter 11, verse 1. And then he answers the question we talked about. He said, I say then, God has not rejected his people. He means totally, as a whole. He did. Uh huh. But he's going to clarify it. 
He said, has he rejected all of us Jews? And he said, may it never be. That means amen, so be it. For I am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, so he's telling them that I'm saved. So he rejected all Jews, the remnant he dealt with. But as a whole, even Jesus said, though the Israel be as the sands of the shore and the stars, talk about multitudes and all, he said, but only a small number will be saved. Well, that eventually applies to the whole world. But he's dealing with these, see, till they all were claiming to be in covenant. And he was saying, uh uh-uh. uh. He said, only a small number will receive the truth. And that was the same under the law of Moses and the prophets. Okay. Verse two God has not rejected totally his people, whom he foreknew and he made promises to and plans for. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God? So Elijah, we see Elijah thought he was the only one left, but he wasn't. But he was a zealot. And someone said, I'd rather have the power in Elijah's baby finger than the 7,000 who were hiding in the caves. But they didn't worship idols, and they they have hidden, but God kept them. See, because they did not openly worship Baal. So he said, I have 7,000. And as far as Elijah was concerned, I'm the only one left. Where is everybody? So God straightens them out there. So even now, you may think all of Israel has been rejected, but there's a remnant, what he's talking about. Okay? And so Elijah says, he's quoting him, Lord, they've killed your prophets. There were a hundred prophets hidden in two caves by Ahab's servant, a captain, because Jezebel and Ahab were trying to seek them out to put them to death. And he hid them. Isn't that something? But they weren't doing much good as prophets because they were hidden, huh? And maybe they weren't called to do anything. Elijah was the main witness at this time. He said, they have torn down your altars and I alone am left. And they're seeking my life. They didn't repent and turn to the Lord when he did his signs and wonders, so he fled. Okay? But 7,000 and 100 prophets They did not openly commit idolatries, and they believed in Jehovah, but they were very weak and hidden. A small number did not worship the false gods. A remnant, a small number, received the gospel of Christ. Uh God's choice by Christ's righteousness, not the works of the law or man's righteousness. He didn't accept that because he couldn't offer anything good. So he says, in the same, backing up, and he responds to him in four, I have kept for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. They've not gone into idolatry. So they're mine. They may be spiritually useless, but they're mine. And that's why he had to tell Elijah this. So Elijah probably thought he was like Noah or a lot. I'm it. And it depressed him. In the same way, okay, just like that, there has come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. 
his choice of grace and faith and the new covenant, offering it to them. Even at the Revelation time, when, when John was in his 90s, even secular historians believe there was only 40, 50,000 Christians in the Roman world that they knew of. So it wasn't a vast number, but he moved out. And it got worse before it got better. Uh-huh. And so it wasn't a great number. So even the Christians were a remnant, a small, but they're never referred to as a remnant. See, the Christian is never referred to as a remnant like the Jews were. Uh So again, it's whosoever. And God offers the same thing he offered, the mercies of David. If you repent, then I will repent. And I'll be gracious. I'll punish you, but I'll take you back. So that was the promise given to the Christian until he blasphemes the Holy Spirit or hardens himself too severe. Solomon could have repented. But he didn't. He died in his sins as an idolater. But he would have been redeemed if he came back. Manasseh, the worst king of Israel, repented, but the sins followed for several generations because he turned the people to evil. But he was forgiven according to the word and the law of Moses. He repented. Okay. So what we see now, let's stop. We'll stop at verse 5. Okay, we'll come back to it, probably repeat it some so we don't lose our train of thought. So we're at, so with today we've covered Romans 10, 16 to 11, 5. Lord, give us wisdom to see your wisdom in dealing with all peoples and with the people now. Help us that we do not forget like Peter said, lest we forget the things of which we do know. We're not coming with new teaching or a new gospel. We repeat the same over and over. So people do not forget. In Jesus' name, amen.